It's wonderful to be here tonight. So yeah, my name is Holly, and uh, I'm trying to think of other things other than my job title. I can tell you about myself. So I am Welsh. Um, I am a composer by training, um, and we are looking at the Psalms tonight. But I do have a warning to tell you. Next week, we're going to be inundated with students in this room. It's very exciting. We have students returning back to university. We have discipleship year students starting a whole brand new term and year where God is going to do amazing, amazing things. So we have a really exciting um, season coming up as a family. So I'm very excited. We've been going through the Psalms this summer, looking at some of our favorite Psalms, and I love the Psalms. There is such depth of emotion in there. It reflects God's heart. He is an emotional God, and we are allowed to express our emotions to him. And it's such an honest book, such an honest book. And it looks for depth from God. David is one of the um, writers of the Psalms, and he, he says, I want to trust you. I will trust you through the hard times. And he celebrates in the good times. So why have I chosen my psalm today? Well, I have chosen a psalm because I feel that the Lord wants to have it as one of our favorite psalms as a church family. And it is Psalm 133. We've been looking at some of our values here at Trinity being positioning ourselves before the Lord in his presence. We have talked about partnering with others and planting new life. And all these three things come up in this one very short three-verse psalm. So thank you, Hudson. We're going to pop it up on the screens. If you've got a Bible, please turn to it. Turn it on. There are some Bibles either side of the platform down here as well if you want to grab them. But we're in Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. It's beautifully written, just three verses, really short, and it reflects really beautifully what Joe shared, a little bit about how we're not created to be on our own. We know that as soon as we decide to follow Jesus, we become a part of his family. And that is his church. So in this room tonight, the people around you are your brothers and sisters. We also know that outside of these four walls in Cheltenham, there are other brothers and sisters meeting and worshipping and pursuing God. We know that right across Gloucestershire, that is happening across the whole of England, across Wales, across Europe and globally. We have a worldwide global family that we are a part of. We are not alone. And sibling relationships can be great. There are the good times, 
So I met up with my younger brother on Monday. We went to Worcester and had a lovely time. And as I arrived, he gave me a bag which said Hotel Chocolat on it. It had a chocolate dog inside it. There are good times in sibling relationships. We used to go on family holidays down to Tembe. My grandfather had a caravan there, and we used to go down quite regularly to enjoy the beach that it was on. It was absolutely stunning. But the one thing that I dreaded every year was sharing a room with my brother. I did not want to be in close proximity to him. I love him dearly. However, I did not want to be that close to him. The beds were small anyway, and you're just so close together in a caravan. I just found it quite claustrophobic. And one, uh, one time we were there, I had a really heavy cold, and I was struggling to breathe through the night. So I'd gone to, we'd, we'd gone to go to sleep, and um, I was trying to breathe, and I couldn't breathe through my nose, so I was trying to breathe through my mouth. And my brother storms out of the room not too long after we'd gone to bed. He goes into my parents um, to see them in the living room, and he says, Holly's freaking me out! She sounds like Darth Vader! To which started some squabbling. Doing life as brothers and sisters can be really hard work, and it can be interesting. But this psalm talks about unity being really important. And so I've got two main questions I want to explore this evening. The first of which is, why is dwelling in unity important? And how does it look to dwell in unity? So just before I want to pray. So Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for these words. And Father, we pray that as we leave tonight that we would want to love our family more. That we would want to learn what it is to love you more, Lord. Thank you that we are your children. And we pray that you would be guiding us and speaking to us tonight and that we would have hearts that are open to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, why is dwelling in unity important? Well, there are three very clear reasons that we can see and very easily pick out of this passage. So, the first one is that it's good. Behold, brothers, uh, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. So, when we look to the very beginning... In Genesis 1, it says, Then our God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, He created them. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So God made us in his image. And as we look at who he is, we see that he is three in one. The Trinity, it's massive. It's not anything that we can ever really understand. But we can see right at the heart of this that we have been created to reflect the very nature of God, and he is community. And if he is community and he's created us in his image, then we need it too. He says so that they may rule. Our purpose 
is plural. It's not singular. It's not just for us to be alone doing it. We were never meant to. Our Father created it that way. That's the intention. As the pastor and author Eugene Peterson said, no Christian is an only child. And I've got a question for us to start to think about. I wonder whether, I wonder whether we're too quick to do things ourselves without asking for help. The second thing is that it's pleasant. So if goodness is reflecting God's heart, his creation, David is also saying that unity is pleasant too. This is good news. It's something that we can enjoy. Not all things that are good are pleasant. Sprouts are good for you. I really don't like sprouts. So they're certainly not pleasant for me. But not all pleasant things are good. Sin can be pleasant for a season. It can be really attractive to go down that road. That's what sin is. We wouldn't do it otherwise. But it's not good. Sin is not God-ordained. It's not good and it's not right. It's not God's heart. But it's also really, really bad for us. And it may seem pleasant, but it, it isn't. And when we look at the passage, you see this precious oil in verse 2. And it's poured out in excess, all over his head, down onto his beard. Happy National Beard Day, by the way. That was yesterday. Down onto his robe. It's lavished on him. This oil symbolizes God's presence, and it is all over him. And it was fragrant. I'm sure most of you will have passed by Lush on the high street. You can't fail but know that it's coming up because of the fragrance that hits you. If you walk into it, it's even stronger. But this anointing was fragrant like that. It just it seeped out and everybody could smell it. It impacted so many more people. And you can't miss it. It was deeply treasured and it was both good and pleasant. And that dew from Hermon, which is the highest mountaintop in that region, was snow-capped and it was refreshing. The dew comes at the start of a new day. It's thought of as pure and renewing. When I was at New Wine this summer, I really enjoyed getting up really early, not because I'm a morning person, because I am certainly not, but as I opened up the tent, before even putting my foot on the grass, you could see the dew right across the site. It was very early in the morning at this time, so it wasn't available a bit later, but it was stunning. You could see it glistening on top of all of the grass, you could see it on top of the tents, and it was stunning. It was good and pleasant. In Proverbs 19, verse 12, it says, His favor is like the dew on the grass. There's favor in it. So another question. How's our heart for unity? I've had to question myself whether I feel it's a bit more of a duty sometimes, if I'm quite honest. 
And if you chime with me at all on that, the great thing is the last of these three reasons that I want to share is that we become blessed. Hashtag blessed happens all across Instagram and Twitter. But it's not about material gain. According to one study Bible, the Greek word translated here as blessed is makaros, which means to be fully satisfied. Makaros. It refers to those who receive God's favor regardless of the circumstances. His blessing brings us closer to him. It draws us into being fully satisfied. We all aspire to be satisfied, don't we? It's a natural desire on our hearts. And this is saying, come to me and I will give you fully, full satisfaction. So do you want more of his blessing? There's a picture of this in verse 2. The unity brings God so much joy that he has declared this oil as sacred and holy. There is precious anointing oil here that is poured out in abundance and it's not contained because it just keeps flowing. And it affects others. At the end of verse 3, we read that unity is commanded. The blessing is a gift chosen by God for his heart, for this heart of unity. I'll say it again. Blessing is a gift chosen by God for this heart attitude of unity. We can't fake heart attitude because it's the Lord that can see it. And that blessing is life forevermore with our brothers and sisters. We have eternity with each other and with Jesus. So it's good, it's pleasant, and it's a blessing given by God. So if these are some of the reasons why it's good to be in unity, and there are many, many more, how does it look to dwell in unity? One of the things I want to delve into is diversity. You see, we're not all meant to look the same. God's creation itself is full of variety. You look at the birds, the fish, the sun, the stars, the planets. When you look at this passage in particular, it supports it. Because if you look at the oil, the oil is deeply precious. And the recipe for this oil is given in Exodus 30. There are different elements joined together. It's myrrh, deeply significant myrrh. It's cinnamon, it's sweet cane, it's cassia, and it's olive oil. And all of these things put together is declared precious. And God is hugely protective over this. Any fakes or anyone having this when they shouldn't have it is called to be cast out. God is protective over this anointing because it's holy and it's sacred. Unity is holy. The pouring out of the oil also shows how it's not about us keeping things neat and tidy and ordered. That when a difficult topic comes up with somebody... Being polite and changing the subject to the weather 
however horrendous the weather has been in terms of ups and downs this year, it's about being real and doing life with one another. Loving despite difference. So if it isn't about false harmony, it also isn't about compromising the gospel. I'm not saying at all that we should go against our core beliefs in this. We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one will get to the Father except through him because he, he's our redeemer. He's taken everything on himself. Died on the cross. Fully God, fully human. Taking it all on himself. Defeated death and rose again to give us the opportunity to enter into relationship with him where we can say that there is power in the name of Jesus because there is power in the name of Jesus because he broke every chain. We are called to be a free people and he called us to be his children. Loving in the midst of diversity is where we realize that the words of Bonhoeffer, they'll come up on the screens, our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done for both of us. When we realize that the anointing is not just for us, it's also for others, we see everybody in a very different light. Our heart attitudes change. And this flows into something that's so important for us to have diversity in our family. And that is humility. One of the standout things that I remember of HDV leadership conferences, I've been to quite a few, was one, one session had Nikki Gumbel, who's the pastor of HTV, interviewing Archbishop Justin Welby, and Cardinal Vincent Nichols. These are two of the most senior leaders of different denominations. Cardinal Vincent, Cardinal Vincent Nichols is the most senior bishop in England. So he basically looks after the church, um, the, the Catholic church in England. And obviously, Archbishop Justin Welby looks after um, the church of England in England. And they were talking about the importance of their friendship. They were talking about how they regularly pray for and with each other. They sat there as brothers, laughing and joking and enjoying each other's company. Now, we know that there are huge disagreements between these two denominations. We actually know that Baptists, Pentecostals, Charismatics, all denominations, there are disagreements. There are huge disagreements even within one denomination. And there are probably huge disagreements in this room, especially on hot topics. You see, it's not about us knowing more than someone else. It's not a competition. It's not about the pride of being right. It's not about power grabbing. The more I explore unity, the more I realize that pride is the enemy of it. Paul writes that knowledge puffs up, 
whilst love builds up. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1. And the love that Paul talks of, the love that is shown despite difference, is what Jesus prayed for us in John 17. The whole chapter is beautiful, and I really want to encourage you to read it. But these verses in particular, verses 20 to 23, they'll come up on the screen. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, but they may be one, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Jesus' heart is for us to be one. Not divided because of our beliefs, but one as God himself is. It's setting aside all our assumptions, assuming people are going to behave or act or believe a certain thing. Setting aside our expectations of others and instead being willing to set aside the pride of feeling like we know better and instead welcoming others into our lives to break down the walls of it being us and them because we just believe things that are different. And instead, showing how good and pleasant it is actually to live together. And he then goes further and says that we not only dwell together here with our brothers and sisters in this kind of circle, as God dwells, but that we dwell ultimately within God himself, all together, all in one. And we know that dwelling with the Lord means that he is with us. Living in unity is so countercultural. We don't need to look far for that. Brexit has divided the nation, and people are even arguing now over Theresa May dancing in Kenya. The church, sadly, also has a reputation for not being unified. Women in leadership. Same-sex marriage. More and more gender. But this psalm and Jesus' prayer point to what Jesus says in John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So to dwell in unity means that we need to be humble in realizing that the church wasn't built to be surrounded by people who are like us. I know I too easily surround myself with people who are quite similar to me, similar beliefs and doing life, but am I living life to the full? That's what Jesus wants for us, to live life to the full. 
to be fully satisfied? Isn't there more to explore of God's blessing in unity? I personally know that I need more people around me who I disagree with, not to argue with them, but to do life with them. And I really hope that I don't brush people off because they're any different to me. I want to learn what it is to love. And by spending time with God's people, we do. We learn so much from each other, from our differences. And we learn so much more about who God is. And I want to choose a way of life that seeks to show God's heart. So as the band come up, I'd like to question, just try a couple of questions. I wonder what unity in this way would look like for us, for me, for you. At the end of today's celebration, will you rush off? Tomorrow morning when you break for coffee, when you start your term back, when you're in school, how are you going to be more unified, show that unity that God himself has? Are we going to send a text to somebody that we know who is struggling to encourage them, to affirm them? Are we going to take the easy way out? Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So, Father, thank you that you're our Father. Thank you that together we are your children and even though we squabble and we fight, we can turn to you as our firm foundation. Lord, where we struggle to be unified, would you be drawing that to our attention so that we can honour you and reflect you Lord, the mercy that you have given us, the grace that you have given us, so undeserved, we did not deserve what you have given us, but you want us to be free and to live life with you. So Father, we pray that we would walk more fully in that. Thank you, Father, for what you are doing. I wonder if some of those questions will have resonated with you. Looking at how unity looks within this church family, but also as our wider global church family. We have incredible mission partners here who are out on the mission field out there, but we're also on the mission field here in university, in school, 
in work, at home with the children. We are called to be his children. Maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to be explored. We don't ever want to let you leave without feeling like you can be prayed for because we want to pray for you. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe it because God speaks to us because we can speak to him. So I'd love to invite you forward. Should we stand? I'd love to invite you forward. You particularly feel like you need to do some forgiveness for the way that you have been treated, where the church hasn't been unified for you, where it's been tough for you in that. just get a sense that God, God would love to minister into, into people's hearts where you've grown up in an atmosphere of disunity, uh, where you've experienced the long-term pain of dysfunctional relationships at home where there's not been a unity and almost that tension feels like normal. It's, it's almost comfortable to live in the tension of disunity in relationships and a sense that God just wants to minister a bit of a plumb line, a bit of a this is, this is what feels like this is what I would want for you it's brokenness that brings disunity in, in family relationships and so that might be one of the things that, that you want to just bring to God come forward and have someone pray for you and ask God would you would you just speak into that um, I also just sense that for some of us tonight actually it's about the gift of generosity it's when we feel lacking in some way that we have to judge people around us or, or limit um, I hate to lower the tone a little bit and talk about football, but it, it's easy to be a, a united football team if you're at the top of the Premier League. It's easy for the dressing room to be all buzzy, but when you're losing, you start to point fingers at people around you. You start to point fingers at whose fault it might be or, or, or why this isn't working. And there's a passage in, in 2 Corinthians 8 that I just want to um, just quickly read where where Paul says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. There's something about generosity that combats disunity. Whenever we feel like we're lacking something, we want to take from someone else, either their character, their identity, and yet generosity says, I've got something to give here. I can encourage someone around me about how good they are at this. And so maybe that's something of what you want to ask God for. God, give me a generous heart so that I can build bridges as well as deal with some of the forgiveness stuff that Holly's talked about. So, so why don't you just begin, there might be some more stuff that Holly wants to, to call out, but let's not waste any time. If, you, if any of that stuff, or you just want prayer for anything, you feel like there's relational struggles or, or battles, or there's something you just want to put a stake in the ground and say, do you know what, I want this blessing, I want this good and pleasant stuff, 
and I'm tired of this dysfunction winning. I'm tired of this disunity having a hold and I want the Holy Spirit to be free in this particular relationship or this particular aspect of my life. Come forward. Can we get people just to come and gather and pray and fight? Don't switch off if, if, if you don't feel like you're called forward. You just might want to ask God right now just to give you the, a, a generous heart overflowing, even in your lack, even in a way you might feel poor, that you would be generously 